your inspiration, our innovation. Welcome to Tech Talk with Absin, your podcast where we discuss how LED can take your space to the next level through dynamic and interactive design. Welcome to the Pro AV Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. With the audiovisual field evolving at the fastest rate we've ever seen, it's become increasingly difficult to not only showcase iteration and evolution, but also remain reliable and consistent as quality increases. Chris Prozio, Director of Sales, Rental, and Staging at Absin, joins us today to talk about the future of LED displays and some of the obstacles that come with trying to relate these products to different kinds of consumers. Thanks for joining us, Chris. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So, Chris, I thought a good place to start would be to just tackle some of the trends we're seeing in the industry right now, right? I think we're definitely seeing a push in the use of LED video walls, and we're also seeing a more nuanced and, and engaged consumer, right, that's generally more curious about what's in the products they're, they're using. So can you talk a little bit about that? Can you tell us a little bit about some of these trends you're, you're witnessing right now? Sure. And my focus is going to be more towards live events because that's what I've been doing for the most of my last 30 years. Right, right. Um, what In the LED world, what we're seeing as far as the trend, as far as resolution goes, is that push to sub 2 mil. Um, we're starting to see some 1.8, 1.9 in some pretty specialized applications. Thinking like auto shows or trade shows where the audience is going to be right up on that screen. Um, the, the question right now in most of the production companies' minds is the ROI for that push, meaning as we get beyond, you know, lower down beyond, beyond two mil damage to traditional SMD design LED tiles becomes higher and higher. And where's that cost benefit? Because at a certain point, the human eye can only resolve so much from a distance. And in live events, you have this thing between the screen and the first row of seats. It's called a stage. So you're never going to get that close to the LED wall. So one of the trends that I'm starting to see is for certain applications, we definitely are pushing below 2 mil. But for a lot of applications, a lot of the buyers and production companies are looking in that 2 mil range is, is that sweet spot, two five, two nine. Yeah, you still have some some propensity for uh, damage during installation, but it's not as bad um, in that benefit because again, your your audience is fairly far back from the screen. Um, like I mentioned, with certain applications they need that tighter resolution, and Absin is as well as other manufacturers is are there, we're developing ways to bring that sub two mil tile to market but do so in a way that you're not going to have as much damage and it's a little bit of a trick but we'll start seeing some more of that in the next six to 18 months you'll see more and more sub two mil tiles with unique ways whether it's a coating on the leds whether it's the way the leds are installed uh trying to deal with that damage on installation. So with that said, what do you think the leaders in this industry need to do? What do you think we're going to end up seeing to try and counter some of these issues we're seeing right now? Well, I can't give away all my trade secrets. 
But okay. um, <laughs> well, then generally what, speaking, generally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, earlier this year, we showed a product called COB or Chip on Board, and uses a specialized diode. The way that it gets installed, there's an acrylic that gets put on top of the COB, and it is quite durable. Uh, in fact, at NAB this last year, we had a demo wall up. And I had a golf ball in my hand the entire show, and I was beating on that wall fairly, fairly well and on the corners with no damage. The issue that we're having currently with COB technology, the reason why both Absent and some of the other manufacturers have started showing this tile, we've kind of pulled back, is on the supply side of the COB. It's just not quite ready for prime time. You may actually see the COB tile come out again if the COB manufacturing in China can get stabilized to a point that makes sense for wide distribution. Um, some of the other manufacturers are doing a coating on the LED itself. On the Instead of one epoxy like what we did with the COB, they're taking an SMD and they're adding the secondary epoxy on top to try to deal with some of the damage. And I've also seen um, some mechanical means where there's a, a sidewall, if you will, that goes around the tile, and then once it's installed, you pull it back and then tighten up the seams. It That seems to me to be a little cumbersome. Uh, we'll see how that takes in the market. Um, and then one other method that I saw at Infocom was a framing system where you put up the big heavy metal first, and then you insert the modules afterwards. That's really labor intensive, but it does help you deal with some of the damage issues. I think you're going to see a plethora of different options come out to deal with it in the next six to 18 months. And then we'll figure out which one's going to be the best one in the market. It's kind of the brave new world right now. Yeah, definitely. So do you think there's a much of an issue with, you know, as you're trying to provide a higher quality product at a higher rate too, is it difficult to keep that same level of reliability? It depends. The You always have a certain amount of damaged pixels when dealing with standard SMDs. Um, and you have cold solder issues. And of course, the more pixels you put on a 500 by 500 tile, the more likely you're going to have them go out. And then you're also going to have physical damage. But we're doing, I think, you know, what I'm seeing in, within Absin and what I'm seeing within our competitors, everyone's doing a really good job of quality control. It's gotten much better. I mean, I remember the early days of LED where it was really horrible and we were replacing pixels a lot. It's gotten much better. Um, there's always going to be room for improvement, especially if you're the owner of this gear. And anytime a, a module gets has a dead pixel, it's now out of service for you know two weeks to two months. That's costing you money. So you never want to see any damage. And, I don't know if we'll ever get to that point. For for us, the COB technology actually looked like that. Um, it promised to have a 90% reduction in all physical damage to LEDs. But again, those were all promises based on engineering specs and not real world. So that's when we kind of pulled back and said, you know, we need to really evaluate this more before we go to market with a lot of promises. And those promises don't hold up. Right, right. So then, Chris, do you have an example like to contextualize a little bit 
a specific product that you think is really exemplifying the evolution we're seeing in the industry right now? Um, as far as exemplify, um, I just keep looking at the pitches. When I started off in this industry with Barco, um, my first time really dealing with LED, we thought six mil was the bee's knees. And then we introduced NX4, which was a four point whatever mil product. And everyone oohed and odd. And you're just looking at this exponential growth of tighter and tighter and tighter resolution. And on the installation side, we're now seeing below one mil. And it's, it's, to me, that's a huge feat as far as just being able to manufacture that tight of a resolution. Um, and I kind of just, like I said, I, maybe that exemplifies what's going on in the LED industry. The other thing that, that really is pushing is the processing end of it. We're getting deeper bit depth. Um, most of the absent products now, we use an 18-bit receiver card. That allows us to get improved uh, contrast ratios and color fidelity, even when we're running the LED at below 10% of its potential light output. That's probably another big area uh, that really needs to, we're starting to see more and more of. Because LED walls, while they're capable of, you know, 5,000 nits, very rarely, unless you're outside, are you running them anywhere near that? And being able to keep that color fidelity while still utilizing that LED at its lowest performance point is huge. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. And, and I'm glad we're getting into the nitty gritty, Chris, because that leads right into my next question. Do you ever have any difficulties trying to relate some of these higher concepts to clients? Or do you find that generally the people that you're working with have a good idea of what they want and need? Depends on who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to the video engineer who's used to dealing with camera light levels and projector contrast levels, he gets it right away, or they get it. Um, if I'm dealing with the producer and sometimes the end customer, they don't understand it at all. They, they relate it to their television at home. And, you know, you just turn the thing on, it comes up, it looks great, you're done. And with all these professional pieces, with all the hooks and handles you have in it, um, if you understand what you're dealing with and you, you get that tech, then this is easy to explain. If you try to, you know, talk about color bit depth to somebody that has no frame of reference, it's almost impossible. Yeah, I can only imagine. And I think it might be especially difficult now, right, with how how fast we're seeing this this kind of technology evolve. Is it is it difficult to try to get people to understand how much of an improvement you know we're seeing year after year on this kind of tech? It it is when I'm trying to do it with a PowerPoint slide and me yapping my gums. Really, the best way to show that, and I've even done it just within my absent product line. I do it. I'll do an on-site demo with my good, better, and best options because, you know, the typical end user, they're looking at the resolution and then they're looking at the cost. And they're, they're just making an assumption that all 2.6 mil walls are the same. And that's just not the case. So the best way to get around that is to show them, look, here's a good one. Here's a better one. Here's the best one. And it's pretty apparent why there's a cost difference between those three that's when you can have a very good conversation with them about those things where they don't maybe understand all the details, but they understand what they're paying for 
when they're looking at a better bit depth processing versus a average bit depth processing. Right. And and I think yeah that that's and that's got to be a little frustrating I imagine right people trying to relate it to television specifically. Yeah, after thirty years in the business, <laughs> I've got used to it. <laughs> I actually I just I just put on my best smile and and I'll walk them through it. I I I without patting myself on the shoulder too much. I tend to tend to say that I have the heart of a teacher, and I'm very patient when it comes to walking people through it. Uh, it can get frustrated, but you just take a step back and you, you, you try to relate it to things that they understand. Right. And, and Chris, I, I'm curious, from a communication or, or even marketing standpoint, are there any other hurdles or difficulties that come with trying to talk about some of the evolution we're seeing in your industry right now? Because I think generally it seems like the average consumer is, is much more educated in regards to tech now, but I think the difficulty comes with, you know, there's so much iteration every year that I think sometimes it might be difficult for the average person to to really be able to to see, you know, why they need the new product. Yeah, it, and and we have that in LED too. I mean, it used to be there were some pretty horrible LED walls, and and the level of that has risen to an almost acceptable level across the board, which is great. Uh, but there's always excellence, and you'll see that with the top manufacturers. Um, you know, as far as it, it it has gotten easier. One of the things that still hasn't changed this day and i even have it in my own family people refer to the screens that i sell as jumbotron and it's that whole kleenex thing you know it's like uh jumbotron went out about 10 years ago but um or more but you know that that stuck around and um but everyone's become very apparent of what it is whether they know exactly the product name really isn't important they get the concept that what this is is a bunch of blinky, flashy lights that have, that are all blinking at the same, you know, same rate and same, you know, with the same image that gets put together into one cohesive image. Um, that concept has gotten a lot easier to sell. The other one that makes it difficult with end users until they get their head around it is on the consumer side. They've been calling flat panel monitors LED monitors because of the light source they're using to illuminate the LCD panel, which is fine. But when I talk to someone about an LED wall, they're relating it to what they can buy at Best Buy. And it's like, no, it's not the same technology. Um, but that's actually fairly easy as well. I mean, it, it takes maybe 15, 20 minutes and you kind of go through what this technology is versus that technology. Um, but people are getting more and more used to LEDs. I mean, we're seeing it at home as well. I mean, just illumination, automobile headlights are now becoming LEDs. Um, if people are getting more and more used to the idea that these little bulbs can be really, really bright and put together in different, you know, different configurations to make things happen. So expanding on that, do you think we'll ever get to a point where LED is just outright replacing projectors and, and most screens? Um, for the most part, yeah. Um, I, I think there's always going to be a place for projection. You look at projection mapping of buildings, you're never going to be able to do that with an LED. Um, you can do something similar. You can do geometric shapes, but to take an iconic building like, say, the White House and to projection map onto it, that is a look that you're never going to replicate with LED. Um, I know that there's some pushes for LED to go into 
of the cinema, individual cinema, and it's interesting. I personally think that 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 look, that feel of a reflective image coming back to the audience is never going to be replaced. I think that has its place when you're talking about a large cinema. Um, the other issue that we deal with with LED cinema is that center channel audio uh, because LEDs are not sonically transparent where I can get a perforated projection screen and that is sonically transparent and that's where my center channel goes in this big theater. Um, so, I mean, there's some challenges but overall, yeah, you know, I see LED walls minus some really small conference rooms or um, that probably will end up going to flat panels. Uh, I see the LED screen becoming easier and easier to manipulate and, quite honestly, uh, less expensive enough to compete with a projector and a screen in a lot of these live event situations, your, your typical corporate events. Um, and it gives a certain amount of creative flexibility as well because now you're not worried about light. Uh, you can raise the room lights up. You can raise the stage lights up. You're not trying to compensate for a projection image because um, you've got lots of headroom on these LED screens because we typically don't run them at 100%. We're typically running them at 20%, 30%. So if you need to boost it up a little bit, you've got the headroom. Um, that's my belief is that, yeah, we're going to see a replacement probably of about 80 to 90% of what projectors are doing now with LED over, you know, aggressively five to six years, realistically 10 years. Yeah, and I mean, that that sounds right when you really just think about the, the price performance equation, right? Like if it's really on the side of LED, then then why not? Why wouldn't this just be the next natural evolution? Yeah, it's the durability issue. So as, as the manufacturers get the durability higher, that's going to make it easier because now these building blocks become really bulletproof and they, they're just easy to deal with. You're not having to worry about dead fixes all the time, uh, which we're seeing more and more of. So that, with the lowering of costs and just the, the abundance of it now in the market, uh, it's becoming very easy. So my last question for you, Chris, is what, you know, we've talked a lot about some of the obstacles and, and, and some of the changes we're going to see uh, in the immediate future. But generally speaking, what what do you see on the horizon that, that gets you excited? What are you looking forward to or, or not looking forward to? <laughs> um, that's tough. I'm really looking forward to some of the things that, that we're doing as far as some of the resolution, but being able to take LEDs and putting them into different I'm really excited by some of the stuff that LG has been doing with the OLED stuff. Um, I see that as an interesting place, uh, especially in retail, but even in live events. Um, being able to add a different depth to a video screen, uh, that, like I said, that kind of gets my motor running right now. Um, as far as what Absence doing, what one of the other trends that I'm seeing that that I'm I like is the uh, the service level within LED is rising, meaning that the companies are starting to stabilize. You're, you're seeing a, you know the top contenders really kind of showing up and, and you know who they are. And now we're starting to see service teams in specifically in the United States being established 
that are bringing a, a more expected level of support uh, rather than dealing with everything offshore coming in from China. Um, to me, that's probably the biggest interesting trend with LED right now. If you have five or six major players that are starting to build international teams, not just in the United States, but across the globe, and not everything is being supported just from China. And you're starting to get a level of an increased level of service regionally. Um, and, and you're getting teams run by people that are native to the region. And that helps as well. Right, right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time. Oh, you betcha. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to articles, podcasts, and video content for your favorite industries. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. Have a good day.